Welcome to episode 102 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast featuring conversations with Canadian theatre makers. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at StageworthyPod. And you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you're looking for me, you can find me on all the usual platforms at Phil Rickaby. My guest this week is Jeff Ho. Jeff opens Trace, directed by Factory Theatre Artistic Director Nina Aquino, starting November 16th and running until December 3rd at the Factory Theatre in Toronto. Are you doing a dress tonight, or are you... Tech dress tonight. <laughs> Tech dress. Dress rehearsal tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> the, the, the line at a certain point gets so, so blurred that... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but we're at that phase now where we're running and running and running. Mm-hmm. So that's great. It feels like, you know... Kind of, all you, kind of what you need at a certain point, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're just trying to get everything seamless. We just had our first, you know, tech run yesterday. Our Q2Q was the first time we... Got it all done one day. Mm. I mean, it's also a short show, so mm. like it was great to just. When you did the Q to Q, were you like, did you get a run in? No, no. no. Okay. Got the Q to Q all within one day, and then the nice. next day we just got a run in and notes ready and cool. Jay, we got to work on bits, and then a run after this. Yeah. Nice, nice. <clears throat> so the show is Trace. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what what is Trace about? Absolutely. Trace is about three generations of women in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about various memories, mysteries, and myths that mm-hmm. have sort of trickled down from these women down to me. Mm-hmm. And it's really, truly a tracing of how I am, how I am today. Okay. How did I come to be this way? And also, what is unsaid or unspoken mm-hmm. of in my own family that I wish to speak about? Are there, are there a lot of things that are unspoken? One particular one, and okay, that was sort okay. of the impetus for Trace. Hmm. Uh, my great-grandmother had two sons, during, mm-hmm. and during World War II, she was from China. Uh, she had to flee to Hong Kong when the Japanese invaded, mm-hmm. and she had two sons. Along the way, her youngest son disappeared, hmm. and shame and sort of familial guilt and all of that. It's a really thorny subject in Chinese culture. Mm. So grandma just never, great grandma never spoke of her, her son again. Huh. Um, but we only heard about him in whispers and like other relatives being like, so what happened? And great grandma just always refused to speak about it huh. up until her deathbed being like, where is my son? And so this has just been a mystery the whole time. We don't even know his name. Wow. Yeah. But we know she had another son and just sort of, you, you, know. do, you don't, and you don't know what happened. You just like, we she, don't know because she she even like at the end never yeah. spoke about it. We huh. have we all have our own rumors. My mother has her own rumor. My grandma has her own mm. you know guesses. Yeah, but there certainly was something about uh, the Japanese. Mm. There was certainly something about fleeing, and in that movement, mm. something happened. Hmm. Whether it was and in my own research, the initial pieces of writing for Trace was a little more about the wartime, really about mm. Japanese invasion yeah. and sort of this unspoken Chinese Holocaust, basically, yeah. that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they set up internment camps called Unit 731, mm-hmm. um, where they performed, you know, human experimentation yeah. on children. They 
uh, infected rats with plague and set them free in villages and stuff mm. like that. But we don't hear of it, and it's actually erased in a lot, most and all Japanese textbooks. Yeah, it, it yeah. is a thing that we like. We talk a lot about the German yes. Holocaust, absolutely. and not a whole lot about mm-hmm. what happened in Asia at the time. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of that was to do with um, when the war was over. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Americans and a lot of the Japanese scientists that were part of these experiments, they got amnesty oh, in exchange yeah. for their test results. Mm. The cure for gangrene came out of that, for example. Huh. Yeah. It, it's interesting because the, this is not the first time of the, the topic of yeah. the, the Japanese uh, invasion of China has yeah. come up. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Diana So. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. like a big thing for Comfort, for yeah. her. Yeah. And uh, and it's interesting. I, I sometimes, you know, as you talk about it, I wonder if there is um, the fact that it's not talked about is yeah. there's a, a bit of a, a racist aspect of it. Because yeah. we talk about right. the Jewish Holocaust because yeah. they're, they're essentially white. They're an acceptable, an acceptable race, and at the, just after the war, yeah. to be to be from Asia was not not quite acceptable. No, yeah, racist. Yeah, I I don't know if racist, but I certainly see it as you know who were the victors and mm-hmm. who were the voices that ended up surviving. Sure, you know, and it's also cultural. Like, yeah, we, China simply has this this culture of what is dark we've just swept under the rug mm. we will not talk about it and we will simply rise and prove ourselves in the future hence china's reaction now yeah you know many of their big grandiose statements yeah political gestures it's only been a less it's been less than a hundred years yeah you know is yeah. it and as, as this is not just like it's not just family that does this it's like as a as a nation that's the sort of like the chinese well, yeah i mean and that's a generalization mm. i'm sure okay. yeah, yeah of course, course. yeah but yeah, certainly. Like we, ha- there is a culture of like you know Zen Buddhism, mm-hmm. the philosophy of Confucius, mm-hmm. and everything. There is so much about going with the flow. Yeah. And if something's just bad, you don't talk about it. Yeah. You just don't talk about it, and you move on, and you live, and you survive. Mm-hmm. Survival is at the core of sure. the culture, yeah. especially with you know even with the internal wars, the civil wars that happened leading up to World War II sure. or coming out of World War II. Mm. It's just all still so fresh, mm. you know. Um, so how old were you when you started working on this? I was 20, 20, 21. Yeah. Okay. Had it been, had it been something that had been playing on your mind before then? Or did you just one day sort of say, this is going to be the topic of my new show? No, it was something that had been sort of permeating Mm -hmm. through just all of my life. Just Mm -hmm. like, it was always used sort of as a guilt tactic by my mother. Like, okay, you think I don't appreciate you? Your great-grandma had a second son, and she went away. You want me to disappear you like that, too? So it was a familial guilt tactic. But that always stuck with me. It was like, oh, that happened. And then similarly, sort of, with Mm. my mother, I ran away from home at a young age to pursue theater. I ran away to Montreal, Mm. did university first, or two years of university, and then went to NTS. Um, And all of this was without the consent of my family. Okay. And so in some ways, and I'm not equivocating myself with my disappearance with mm. that son's disappearance, but there's always a void that's left when a child's sure. gone. And so I just became sort of obsessed with the idea of how do I reappear in the mm. face of all the fire that's happened in the family? Yeah. You know? And, yeah. you know, does it mean that part of the tracing is my own mother took my brother and I 
single mom again from Hong Kong to Canada hmm. to give us the better life. Right. And then I fucking fucked up. <laughs> no, it's I, a podcast. You can okay, okay. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I totally We have to worry about that. So, um, this is as good a time as any because I usually like to talk to people about, about why theater. Right. So, for you, yeah. what drew you to theater? And what made you run away from home to join the theater? Oh, gosh. Um, it's my mother's fault. I mean, also... <laughs> She, I started classical piano. That was my first artistic expression. Okay. And I started piano at five and, mm-hmm. uh, I was put into it for the discipline, for the hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge sort of rumor and, you know, more and more science is proving it, but that classical music is actually very related to math. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, my mother thought, oh, this is a great idea for him to do. And when I first came to Canada, I was still learning English, you know, working on those skill sets. Mm-hmm. I was just stuck with the piano the whole time. Mm-hmm. I got kind of socially shy. And so my mother thought it was a good idea for to let me try for the a, a, an arts program in a high school, Unionville High School's Arts York program. Um, and I did. I had never really done drama up to that point. Mm-hmm. I got in somehow. And so then <laughs> I spent four years of high school uh, doing theater mm-hmm. and we all have one of those brilliant teachers that really is sure. just shining light. Yeah. This like sort of doorway that's like, yeah, you can do it. Um, Mr. Beeman, uh, he <laughs> totally just gave me all this resources I needed. Hmm. I was obsessed with acting theory. I was, I read all the books on theater in, at our local library, Unionville library. Hmm. And he, he just pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and gave me the space to learn hmm. in a high school setting. And so I was so privileged that way. That's so was, rare in a high school setting to exactly. be encouraged that way. Absolutely. And so if not for this art school, mm. and my mom thought, oh, yeah, this will be a great way for him to prepare him to be a lawyer, <laughs> or, you know, so that he can speak better. Mm. Um, but then I fell in love with it. Mm. You know, I fell in love when we started working on Greek tragedy, yeah. on comedies, all of that, just like sort of dipping my toes in. And then grade 12 came along, and I remember having a really frank conversation with my teacher, just to, like, you know, do you think this is viable? Do you mm. think it's possible? And he's like, I can't promise you anything. Mm. But he was like, you certainly love it enough. Yeah. And so he just told me to pursue what I loved. Mm. And so I did. And grade 12 was split between <sighs> auditioning for piano schools mm-hmm. uh, and then academic things and then theater schools. Right. Yeah. And eventually, uh, <laughs> I didn't get a call back to Ryerson. Mm. I, I didn't do too well in a lot of my theater school auditions. Mm. Um and one night in April, I picked up my bags, went to Montreal. Mm. Concordia University was having their auditions. I didn't even apply properly. I got to the doors, 6 a.m. in the morning, first time in Montreal alone. Uh, got to the campus, had all my papers, had $60 in cash to be like, this is the fee. Can you please just let me audition? I auditioned. I got in. Mm. And then that was it. I knew I had to do it. So... At what point did you tell your mom that you were auditioning for theater schools and how did she react? Oh, 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 I didn't tell her. Even, <laughs> even getting into NTS. Okay. I got in first, got through the three months of, you know, waiting and then the callbacks. And after I got into NTS, mm-hmm. I sat her down, had a PowerPoint prepared and was like, these are the reasons this would be smart to go to the school <laughs> or whatnot. And I just, I was like, you're not allowed to say anything now, mm-hmm. mom. I'm going to the school. Did she say anything? Uh, (laughs) Yes. I said, mother, I got into the National Theater School. And she said, how? (laughs) (laughs) So that was the first thing she said. Uh But after a little while, Mm. and 
the great thing was Grey's Anatomy was on at the sure, time. Yeah. And so Sandra Oh was a very public figure uh, of yeah. the show okay. and a public figure of the school. Mm-hmm. And also being Asian, I think, helped. Mm-hmm. And so Mama was like, she connected the links between okay. Oh, NTS, Sandra okay. Oh, oh, it's possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment onwards, things have started warming up and our relationship has sure. been better than ever. Yeah. But there, there was a period where you oh, went was, away to theater school. Like it you, was hell. You was ran hell. away to theater school and yes. you didn't like... Yes, you she took away like, my money. Okay. She took away my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would not support me in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the first like month or two of being in Montreal, I slept on people's floors. I remember. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know how I had the guts to do it. Looking back now, I'm like, I don't know how. Desperation, that desperation is an amazing thing. Yeah, if you it? know that there's no other way that you're going to be able to do yeah. this. Yeah. You do what you have to do. Totally. Yeah. And before learning about fear too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you have to do that kind of thing when you're young. Exactly. Right? I feel like at a now certain I'd be point, too scared. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, after about 25 or so, you're probably not going to be like, I'm picking up everything and I'm going to... Exactly. On a, like, just in case I get in. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So, yeah. But it was really, 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 mm. really difficult, I remember. And like... It was all out of love. And I know mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And at first it was just like, oh, why won't you let me do it? And all of that. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm growing up, the more I'm realizing, oh, <clears throat> she really was just trying to looking out for me. She really just wanted me to lead a stable, in her eyes, what would constitute a good, secure, stable life. Of course. So that I wouldn't have to struggle the same way she had to. Yeah. Like so many immigrant stories. But at the same time, she is a fiery woman mm-hmm. so fights were just not calm so that also no. didn't help much you know <laughs> it's yeah. i mean it's it's not uncommon because i've talked to a few people of yeah. different uh uh you know either usually second second generation you know right. uh uh immigrants and people who go into the theater often have a similar yeah. story and i mean people who don't who aren't immigrants they sometimes have a yes a similar totally. story of the the battle with their parents yeah. like about 50 yeah. 50 of the people that i've i've spoken to have that sort of like either my parents were so supportive to oh they hate the fact that I'm doing this they still ask me like when I'm going to get a real exactly. job you know yeah yeah <clears throat> has your mom come to to see your work uh yes ever since graduating mm-hmm. uh now that you know she lives in the GTA she's mm-hmm. still in Markham uh she surprises me i mm. tend to not invite her to shows because i'm embarrassed or shy or sure. you know still dealing with it but most recently she <laughs> came to prince hamlet okay announced um, and various other shows she's come to. And she always comes at a time where I don't expect her. Okay. Because so if I knew she was not, there, I would, yeah, she knows I would freak out. Yeah. yeah. So she's, it's not like she comes to like opening or anything. She no. She sort of sneaks her way in. No, but I'm trying to get her into this opening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think she's like, does she know what this play is about? Yes. Yeah. A lot of the writing initially was done through interviews with her. Okay. Um, and so she knows what I'm writing about. Mm. She's shy about it. She sure. doesn't quite like that her name's in it or that I'm embodying her. But at the same time, I remind her it's memory and mm. memory oftentimes will be fiction. So if we all just approach it like it's yeah. a story now, mm. a story with the bones of true history, then yeah. then that would be easier for her to digest. Yeah. And I think she would just be... Oh, yeah, I'm already feeling... Like, yeah, I think... <laughs> you know, like, it's everything she invested in me. Sure. Like, this yeah. is both... This is my writing. Mm. This is my classical piano. This mm. is my acting. It is everything she did actually provide for me. Okay. And this wow. is my way of being able to acknowledge. Nice. Thank nice. you for being that wall. Yeah. Thank you for making it so hard for me that now mm. 
I have a player but you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because some people, you know, they were probably, oh, it was so hard to do this. My mom, my parents didn't want me to do this. But if, if you were just able to do it, would you have fought so hard for it? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. That was the thing. It, I feel like that initial rejection from my mother mm-hmm. was the strongest rejection. Mm. The person who loves you the most unconditionally in this world. Yeah. If I can surpass that rejection, mm-hmm. nobody else's matters. No, truly, course, yeah. nobody else's matters. Yeah. And so that's just been a great thing. Like NTS, I had, I had to audition twice before getting in. Mm. And so, like that first time, I didn't get in. I was like, okay, well, I'll just try again. You know. You know. To to, <laughs> to have that attitude going into auditions, any kind of auditions, that's like. Yeah. Some people put so much into into yeah. every audition yeah. that, and every time they're heartbroken. But to be able to be like, well, yeah, it doesn't make the heartbreak easy. You no. still, you know, you still feel the heartbreak. Sure. I still certainly get disappointed if I don't get a role. But at sure. the same time, it's like, yeah, it's just a little easier to bounce back to be like, oh, this wasn't as difficult as when I first mm. started. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, the process of writing this show, mm-hmm. you were saying that, that a lot of it was interviews with your mother. Yeah. Um, is it, is it verbatim or have you massaged? What What is the Massage. process of writing it been like? Massaged. Yeah. Uh, the interviews with the mom was really to collect as memory, many memories, mm. as many testimonials about the rest of her family, mm-hmm. how she came to be, how much she remembers of great-grandma. Because beyond my great-grandmother, we really don't know what the family line is. Sure. She was the last surviving member. <clears throat> and from her moving to Hong Kong, that was the beginning of our roots. In okay. Years, okay. Right? So... Um, a lot of just stories of like, how was great grandma when she was young? How did she mm. behave around you? Um, and hearing through her words, what she thought of herself, mm. what she thought of her own parents, mm. um, and trying to capture the cadence of it. Mm. Uh, I always went with my partner, uh, and he's an Anglophone. So, uh, my mother always felt compelled to articulate these stories in English. Okay. And when she couldn't, then she would go into Cantonese, but because of hearing it in English, I was able to hear all these really horrific stories as simply as possible. For mm-hmm. example, she would she had this one story that just really struck me. Like, your uncle, he swam and swam and swam. Then he was safe. Mm. And one can imagine the entire process. One sure. could then make a piece out of that entire thing. Mm. But in just those few words, she, she told the story. Mm. So how do I then capture all of these traumas, sure. hundred years of history, and as a succinct way as possible, huh. and as musical as possible? Because yeah. Cantonese is a tonal language, yeah. and so yeah, be trying to capture that in English, yeah, it's hard. That is hard, and I'm, it's I, very hard. Like how I don't how know if do I'm successful. You, well, I'm, I'm curious how you how you approach that, uh, like English, mm-hmm. which can be a more a tonal yeah, language absolutely. Uh, with one that, that is based so long so much on tone totally uh, I write with accent in mind okay that certainly helps in terms of just um, knowing sort of the beats of Cantonese everything's mm. quite staccato <clears throat> um, it, it, what you can say in four characters for example mm. needs to be explained in a paragraph yes so how do I try to do the same thing with English mm. how do I explain a deep concept or a, or a statement in as little words as possible mm. and that's a challenge with an accent in mind yeah yeah mm. so that's definitely been part of the <clears throat> challenge and i just okay. keep on throwing myself at it and then cutting it cutting it cutting it cutting it to as little words as i can possibly use mm. with the guidance of you know a dramaturg director yeah. to sort of go like okay this isn't clear whatsoever yeah okay now this is clear this is clear enough that is the having somebody with you to fill that role is so oh, yeah. important totally yeah to point out when you yeah. 
like when it's not clear or yeah, when there could be more. And it's still happening. Yeah. Even from the run yesterday, there mm. are certain cultural concepts that I don't explain. So mm. uh, we were like, do we try to explain it now? Then we add words. Or do we just simply take it out and mm. say the most direct thing? Mm. And so, yeah, it's a constant negotiation. Mm-hmm. And so as new years come in and audiences come in, I'm excited to keep on yeah. making it clearer and clearer. Mm. Yeah. How did Nina Lee Aquino get involved with this? Uh, so I started writing this piece during uh, my time at NTS in second year. We all have a solo show unit. We had had it then. I don't know if the school does it anymore. Um, I was working with Adam Lazarus, who is opening Daughter Tonight. I know. A tonight. solo show. And he taught me solo show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I had written two separate pieces. The one we ended up working on was not Trace. Mm. Trace was just this little baby that I was like, oh, I'm actually really excited about this. Mm. And Nina was teaching the class under us at that time. And so, again, I don't know how I had the guts back then. <laughs> I just approached her in the hallway to be like, hey, Nina, um, now that you're here, I know you have a lunch. Do you want to just come into a studio with me? I have something to read to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. Yeah, It's amazing that the things that we'll do when we're younger that we would like probably not do now. Yeah, now I'm like, like okay, I should approach artistic directors with cover letters and sure, yeah. stuff like that, you know? But back then I was just like, hey, you're you here, I'm here. You didn't know any better. You didn't know any better and it worked out. Better. Yes, exactly. I mean, it could have backfired. It could have. It but could have backfired. You yeah. don't know, but totally. it didn't, which yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started working on it from then on, really. And how long, how long ago was that? Oh, so if I was in second year, graduate, 2012, so mm. five years ago. Now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you were working on this five I'm years. Sure, on and off with her for yeah. five years? Yeah. Um, when I first graduated, literally a month after I graduated, Iris Turcott and I began working together. Mm. Uh, she was then company dramaturg still. Sure. Uh, and so it was this great period of transitioning from coming to Toronto, beginning my acting career. Sure. But at the same time, learning writing, learning mm. my own voice as a writer with working through with Iris. Mm. I would go to her apartment every Wednesday or here um, and we would just talk, chat, write. She would read my writing, mm. talk to me. Um, and we did that for a whole year. Yeah. It was a masterclass. Was was writing something that you had imagined doing before NTS or was no. were you thinking of yourself as just... Just an actor. I wanted to be Sandra O 2.0. That's what yeah. I wanted. Okay. I wanted to be Sandra O 2.0. <laughs> but as I started making my way through everything, I realized, oh, writing has simply always actually been a part of my life. Mm. Even at NTS, I had a few publications with Rice Paper Magazine, a Vancouver sort of Asian-Canadian magazine. Um, I kept on writing essays for competitions and stuff like that. I won oftentimes. Mm. And so I realized, oh, writing was actually something I had always done mm. anyway. Um, and so even the thing I wrote that I read to Nina it came mm. out as a 25 page poem mm. um, it wasn't quite a script or a theater piece but I had just I, 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 yeah mm. it's something I had always done to express myself and only now do I real, have I realized that oh this is actually huh. this is actually part of my art yeah, yeah. it's interesting because some people uh, it's interesting that you that you were always writing and never sort of connected it with theater I never connected it mm. I don't know why and, and yeah, like the more I'm making my way into a writing career now too, mm. I, I, yeah, I, I'm surprised I never connected it when I was younger. I guess because I was so hot-headed, yeah. wanting to pursue just acting, that I just never even considered the peripheries of what other hats do I wear. Again, without knowing better, sure. when one steps into Canadian theatre, one has to work everything. 
in as many capacities mm -hmm. as you can or are good at. Well, it's interesting <laughs> you because know? You know, I've mentioned uh, a number of times how um, the landscape of what's expected in theater has, has sort of changed. When I was yeah, in theater right. school, we were taught, it was like, you're going to go in, you, we're training you to go to the audition, get the job, go right. to the audition, get the job. Right. Um, and, you know, if you don't do that, I guess you could write your own thing and do fringe. But it was like, right. if you did that, you were like the failure. Instead of now, yes. where indie or and fringe is like doing stuff yourself is the launching point now. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. And that's something I didn't quite get. I've done this mm. the festival circuits yeah. as an actor and on new pieces, certainly. So I always had an idea of how they felt. Mm. But no, I haven't had that opportunity as a writer mm -hmm. and so that is a bit of a scare for myself and just sort of being like oh i'm debuting with that factory directed by nina you know it's a little scary is it is this the your first your first play that's being being put up this is my first play that's okay yes <laughs> so that's why yeah i can understand yeah. i can understand i was like oh maybe i should have done summer works or maybe i should have mm. done French. but at the same time it's where it's at and yeah. even with this play being the first, mm -hmm. I have a second already lined up, thankfully. Sure. And so I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's yeah. okay. Even it, like, I will learn what I need to learn, and I have been learning so sure. much because it's the first time I'm a playwright in a room. Yeah. On top of doing everything else. But that's a learning process yeah. that you can only learn on the job. Mm -hmm. um, have you, how do you feel about um, performing this? Like, when you think, like, when I perform my first solo piece, <clears throat> I was going to vomit that whole day. Yes. Yeah. Just, just out of like, this is the first time I'm saying these words in front of this, uh, an audience yeah. and it's me and it's my words. Yeah. Do you, do you have that or do you feel more confident? Oh, I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> I am absolutely horrified, mm. terrified, vomiting. Mm. Uh, yeah. Sleeplessness, all of that. Yeah. It's, it's a nerve wracking. Of course. Know, yeah. But, uh, the, the team is incredible and mm -hmm. Nina has had a lot of experiences debuting new playwrights and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I feel supported every yeah. step of the way, but yeah. it doesn't take away the nerves and it doesn't take away that exact fear that you're saying. Like, yeah. oh my God, these are my words I'm performing, but also certain liberties can be had mm -hmm. in terms of like, okay, I don't like this line anymore. I'm cutting it. That's, Done. <laughs> that's the kind of freedom that you don't quite realize that you have until you have it. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, especially coming off of Prince Hamlet, being like, oh, well, I can't change this soliloquy no matter. You know? No, no. <laughs> and but... to, this experience of like, oh, wow, this is a certain freedom that I didn't have, yeah. but a certain extra pressure because sure. of that freedom. It's interesting because where, if you're acting with other people, you can't just like drop a line. But if it's just you... Yeah, except if it's a cue line except or it's something a cue line stage or something like that, But exactly. for the most part, you can... I can just save myself and no one will ever know. No, nobody exactly. will know. And so that is a certain freedom. And that's why I'm, I am really excited for audiences because mm. I feel like part of this really will, will be off of the energy of an mm -hmm. audience. Yeah. Um, and right now everyone's heard it so many times that we're just at that phase where it's, it's yeah, because <laughs> this after a certain point hearing it so many times you start, I know you wonder like, is it still funny? Is it still working? Is it clear? Is it clear? Yeah, exactly. We've all heard it. We know what it means. Yeah. And you don't really know until the audience, the audience is there. Yeah. So I feel like I'm at that point, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It's terrifying. But at the same time, like, it will happen. Yeah. Um, and it's what... Uh, uh, a lot of teachers from NTS, I remember seeing certain things that 
only now I remember and cherish. Mm-hmm. Back then I was like, oh, that will never apply to me. Of but course. For example, Guillermo Verdecchia at school, he'd said like, approach every <clears throat> gig you ever get as just another experiment. Mm. You know, like, it's not the end of your life. Sure. Everyone's going to die. You do this one. You tried what you needed to try. Mm. You move on and you try something else. Yeah. Or if you feel like you want to try that again, try it again. Yeah. But it's a life in the arts and not just, you know. But yeah. th- for me, because it is a debut, I do feel sure. the culmination of like, oh my God, I have so much to prove. Well, it's been five All years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Has there been something that's, that's surprised you in this process? Yes. 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 How, for me, language is just music. Or how I reapproach mm. the writing. We talked about the mm-hmm. Cantonese already. Um, but all of those different mixtures, it's all music. To me. Yeah. And how, my, how we're finding, because we dialogue with the pianos. The men are represented through all of the piano voices. Mm. And I speak all the women's voices. Mm. I embody both as sure. I play the piano and the men. But we're finding that, like dialogue, the more I can just seamlessly come off a trill sure. right into a line back into a music huh. line um if the intentions are clear even when i'm playing the piano that's all we need mm. and so i'm really being surprised by sort of the the marriage of music and language interesting yeah interesting. and that i feel like we just talked about experiments that's yeah. my experiment this time around that that idea of like the men being represented by the piano mm-hmm. and embodying the women um at what point did that come about in the process? Um, last year. Okay. It, it's a, what, a more recent thing. Mm. We had a point where the piano represented just all the periphery characters, mm-hmm. so men, women alike. Um, at some point, it just was a clarifying factor for sure. listeners because the piano can speak intentions. The body can help translate what the piano is saying, sure. but it can never say direct, literal meanings, yeah. such as gender, such as, you know. Um, and so it came to a point where we tried it as a two-hander. Sure. Uh, just to have an extra pianist, and I got to just act. Okay. Um, and from that, we came to realize, oh, just having all of the piano voices replace all the men hmm. just helps clarity, and also then helps specify sort of the different memories. Sure. Anytime the women are talking to each other, I'm just in full solo show mode. I'm sure. just fully acting with myself. Yeah. Anytime I'm playing with the piano, we know it's with a man. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did you ever worry, like, embodying somebody like your mother who is mm-hmm. a very strong fiery mm-hmm. woman um do you ever have concerns about embodying your mother was no. that something you shied away from at all um no 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 it i am my mother's son okay yeah <laughs> i am yeah like her yeah i know her rhythms i know her stuff mm. and i'm not be i am being her but at the same time i'm not her Right. And so, yeah, it's acting. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And the other women? Like, because the other women you don't know. You don't know. familiar. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Great grandma, I knew up until I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So that one is more of definitely, you know, fabrication and fiction. Um, But again, based off of the interviews with the mom, sort of just taking on those personality ticks. And my grandma's still alive. I just saw her Sunday. Um, my brother just got married, so she came from Hong Kong. Usually she lives in Hong Kong. And so I observed. I watched. Sure. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah. Does your grandmother know, know about this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't speak to my grandma nearly okay. as much. Uh, when I saw her on Sunday, she just said to me, you are taller now. 
and then we shook hands. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's our level of affection. Yes. And conversation. Well, it's difficult if you see somebody just at, at weddings and that sort totally. of thing. Totally. Literally a world yeah. away. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I do worry, not necessarily worry, but in this current political climate, I do ask myself, is it, is it cool that I'm playing women? Hmm. That's certainly something I ask myself. Is it correct that I'm embodying women? Those questions, um, I feel because it is women in my blood mm-hmm. and, you know, I still do play both genders, yeah. but that we just simply hear the women speak. I sure. feel like there's some leeway there, but it is something like performing gender is something that's really, really interesting to me, especially yeah. coming off of Ophelia. I just, it's, it's something that I'm fascinated with. Mm. Yeah. What is it about it that fascinates you? I grew up with a lot of films and Chinese opera. Okay. And in Chinese opera tradition, the men played the women. Yes. Um, and even films that, again, my mother showed me, they were off, like Hong, famous Hong Kong film director Wang Gawai. He had a film about, yeah, the life, the training, the life of a female impersonator in the Chinese opera. Mm-hmm. And I remember that striking me. And also sort of stereotypes of even being as a gay man, a queer man, sort sure. of, uh, if you're gay-jin, you're the feminine one in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. and so that's just simply something that's always been in me, even huh. at school. For one of my Theater Ontario monologues, sort of the graduating showcase, I tried to do M Butterfly, which hmm. was a story about mm-hmm. a man disguised as a woman for years. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. It's hmm. something that's I saw a lot of when I was a child. Sure. And it's something that seems to come up a lot. Hmm. The opportunities seem to come to me. I sure. Played transgendered and again that's something that i reflect a lot on is that correct nowadays mm. i did it two three summer works ago and unknown soldier and back then it wasn't this, it was about chelsea manning so it wasn't quite at the level of awareness we are now and i wonder if it is right anymore you know it, that's a, that's a really interesting interesting yeah. thing to think about because we are very much at a different at a different place than even three years ago. Absolutely. Where there's a lot of, you know, you absolutely uh, there's outcry about men playing transgendered. Absolutely. Characters. And rightfully so. Yeah. If those performers are there, yeah. they should play the part. Absolutely. But yeah. this is kind of different. This is not Yes, and that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. And this is sort of like, you know, the, the all the different facets of me that have sure. come to become me. Yeah. Just they're I speak the women and I Play sure. the piano and the men. And one could yeah. one could one could argue: Could anyone else play your mother? Yes, you we know? have been having discussions, Nina and I, in oh, preparation really? okay. for like you know, like how about if it gets published? What mm. happens if some other company wants to pick it up oh. and you're not available to do it? How are we going to change it? And I was like, a woman can play this, a mm. man can play this. I mm. feel like I okay. want to make it so that this play can be performed by either gender, um, but there are certain skill sets that sure. need to be met for this play. Classical pianist mm-hmm. training at a certain level must be able to speak Cantonese mm-hmm. and can hold a solo show yeah. as an actor. Mm. Um, and some sleight of yeah. hand, I think, if I say yes. Twitter. Little yes. Bit of sleight, some there's, sleight of hand. Yeah, but that's sort of like production by production. <laughs> they want sleight of hands. It's just, it's like there's a lot of smoking in this sure. show. Great yeah. Grandma always was a smoker. Mm. So, you know, if cigarettes fly from somewhere or whatever, I'm happy with that. Too. <laughs> but for this production, sure. it, it's pretty bare. Nina's aesthetic is really minimal and mm. start naked kid season. Um, and so she just wanted cigarettes to appear and disappear. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's a really clean, clean way to do it. Yeah. 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 Interesting to think about, about, um, you know, specifying that anybody could play mm-hmm. the role, the, could play that part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I think that a lot of times people get hung up on, no, this is how it was done in the original. Right. Rather than sort of just opening things up and being whatever works for you. Yeah. And that's within the thing. these yeah. confines. Yeah. Even the music. I've chosen music that I've played through my childhood or mm-hmm. are songs that my family loves, pieces that I've used for competitions. And Nina asked, do you want the same music for a future production if somebody else picks this up? Mm. And I said, no, I just want the songs to be close to that pianist's heart. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's about, you know, communicating the soul. Sure. Sure. Um, and that's something that I really got to learn from Ravi last year with, with Ophelia was that I had a lot of qualms about, oh God, this is a really problematic character in the canon. Um, it's a difficult part too. Mm. How do I portray it respectfully? And then mm. he just said, fuck respectfully. <laughs> this is what was written. Yeah. you got to throw yourself at it. Mm. Yes, you're a man. Mm-hmm. We will never forget that watching you. Yeah. But just go for the heart of what she's going through mm. and we will go there with you. Mm. And yeah. And even through that, like there were some women who were really uncomfortable with me playing Ophelia. Mm. And then there were some women who were like, it felt so good to watch all the shit I go through every day <laughs> put on a man's body. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's <clears throat> sort of exciting in terms of performing gender for me is that this is my choice. Yeah. This is how I've chosen to portray it. Um, and like all shows, the interpretation at the end of the day sure. is up to the audience. And what's interesting about, you know, when you were playing Ophelia mm-hmm. and those two different, those two different attitudes, at least people had like, they left discussing yeah. that choice and they Absolutely. left, um, whether they disagreed or agreed, exactly. they were talking about it. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think we do rarely yeah. in the theater. A lot of times theater is very nice. Yeah. And nobody gets offended. Yeah. And because it's nice, there's nothing to talk about after. But totally. I again love when I'm leaving the theater and everybody is just like uh, talking and debating and like, like yeah. just discussing the content and totally. all of that. Yeah. And so that was very, very, very yeah. exciting to be a part of for that. Um, when you were approached to play Ophelia, mm-hmm. how, what was your reaction to that? What the fuck? <laughs> Really? What? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it certainly was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's kosher to say it, but yeah, I was a replacement. Sure. Um, so it was a last minute casting choice on sure. Ravi's part. Um, he didn't even audition me. I didn't read for anything. It sort of was just like, a, uh, let's go, let's just go for it. Mm. And so I joined the cast quite, quite late into the process. Wow. And uh, got thrown into it. Wow. That's really it. I mean, wow. How, how, did the, how did the cast do with that? Because, I mean, if they, especially if it's a last totally. minute They already had workshops yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. too, with um, the original actor. Um, and everybody took it with such grace. Mm. I mean, the thing with that was there was so much intersectionality of so many different identities. Sure. And the core one for me in that process was ability. Mm. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was at the forefront for me. Yeah. Learning how to work. And to shed my own preconceptions of ability. Mm. What is an ableist rehearsal room like? Yeah. What is it like to work with interpreters being there all the time? Mm. What, did it, what is it like to, uh, to realize that, oh, being able to hear Shakespeare's word has been a privilege all my life. Mm. That for the first time we got to share yes. it with an audience that never got to, mm. to, uh, to get that story, to receive that story right. the way they need to. Mm. And so that was, that was huge for me. The intersectionality of race, gender, 
all of that. It was it was mind blowing yeah. for me. I'm a young artist. You yeah, know, I was 26 at the time. Still am 26. Yeah, and so that opportunity was just I, I I'm so grateful for it. Uh, can I when you're when you're working in a in a in a room where there's people who are who are both hearing and deaf? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you pick up any sign language, or did you have to go yes. through? Yeah, like we we did individual research, and Don, who played Horatio, was just so patient with. Like you know, I made stumbles. Certainly, I mm. had my own ignorances. Yeah. Um, but she always approached us with generosity, patience, mm. and an open heart, mm. and a willingness to educate. It's not her job to educate. No, it is my own ignorance that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But she was there. Yeah. To educate. And even with Ravi's direction, at some point, we completely scrapped the second movement to mm. redo it. Because Don said, if this is for a non-hearing audience, this wouldn't make sense. Mm. This wouldn't. So we all had to shed our own preconceptions. And we all had to learn to adapt to one another. Yeah. Um, Interesting because, you know, if you come from a hearing world, yeah. Yeah. The, you would never even think that something wouldn't work. Exactly. In that way. Exactly. Mm. So it was truly, truly. And then to, to have audiences wave at us. And, <laughs> that's always, that's always a new, but like once you know what's happening, yeah. you, you can take it the same way that, that, that you would take yeah. applause that you could hear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, truly like, yeah. And then also to get to work with like some of my idols being a theater student yeah that was also a wild ride like Mm. christine horn she's incredible i've always just been the biggest fan yeah and to know that i had to do the nunnery scene with her (laughs) oh my god (laughs) how did you how did you even like okay so so how do you so i'm sure that you were you were you were having some some fanboyish totally experiences while you're rehearsing yeah and she had a baby i mean like right like she just gave birth and came right into rehearsal Mm -hmm. so it was like she had so much life to go Mm. through and the mere fact of hamlet to go through yeah that uh i was really shy to be honest (laughs) i was really shy it wasn't really until tech and previews and performances Mm. that I got to shed that a little bit. Yeah. It can be really hard to 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 work with people that you've yeah. like idolized Absolutely. in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a patience. Yeah. A patience. Self learning self forgiveness. Mm. To not be like, oh God, I'm not you know, I will one day be able to match her or whatever. Like all those self things mm. that one goes through, right? Yeah. But yeah, they were so kind. And Ravi as a director has been Hmm. One of the shining moments of uh, working with the director in Canadian hmm. theater for me. Um, he's so open. He yeah. truly is the most collaborative director I've ever worked with. Great. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, this show, it's yeah. running for, uh, how long is it running? Till December 3rd. Till December 3rd. Yeah. And once once it's done, is do do you imagine taking it somewhere else? Do you imagine continuing to perform it? I would love to. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. The great thing is it requires two pianos mm. and one actor. That's it, mm. uh, and a set, of course, of course, of course. But that's configurable. Yeah. That's you know quite open. I would love to tour it. Mm. There are certain theaters that I have in mind with a great Chinese population. Sure. Sort of, you know, Vancouver is a spot that would be fantastic for this mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah, so certainly I'm working with a few people to try nice. to get it out. Nice. Um, and we'll see. I mean, because it is the first and because my name isn't quite yes. there yet, yeah. it is one of those things of like, let's see what the 
prices. You can I... only you can only wait until after people have seen it before. Like you can imagine exactly until exactly. But you can't actually do until it's seen. Yeah. So some yeah. patience with that. And, mm-hmm. But certainly, like if this piece has a second life, yeah, I'll follow it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's a show that you can that you can take with you, yeah, you know, it's it's sort of a nice thing to have to do. Totally. Like, you know, totally. I can just sort of show up and yeah. and do the show. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and beyond this, I don't imagine I'll want to write a solo show ever again. I, just, <laughs> I certainly don't want to write something that I'm performing in again. <clears throat> and so the next few pieces already I have in mind or in like heading to production, I'm already like, no, yeah, I'm just play right now. I'm I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you a warning. Okay. Because I felt the same way before I performed yeah. my solo show. And then you, everybody wanted more? I wanted more. Ah. Like, okay. Okay. having performed it, right. before I performed it, I was terrified of it. Right, right. And then after I performed it, first performance didn't count. I was just getting through it. Yes. Second performance, when I was in complete command of everything, mm-hmm. I was like, I never, I have to keep doing this. Wow. Just suddenly everything shifted and I was like, I want to continue to create, you know, yeah. other stuff, but also I can't imagine not doing this. Right. I look forward to either <laughs> feeling that or yeah. You yeah. never know. I will you never see. Know. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things that in a week yeah. I'll call you up and I'll be like, you are right. I would be, I would be interested <laughs> to hear if, if, if you're like, oh yes, I definitely want to do this. Or if you're yeah, like, yeah, never yeah. again. Never. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It's one of those that, yeah, I'll, I will. I will see very soon. <laughs> yeah, pretty like really soon. Really soon. Yeah. yeah. First previews on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then opening next Thursday. It's so good, and of course, you know, if you only do Fringe, you never get that preview right. situation. Right. It's right. such a right. such a gift to be able to do yeah. that before the the big game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 So I sort of envy that, but also yeah. like, right. it's still the preview still feels like a big like it's. Well, it's, it's still the first a big time. deal, exactly. Of yeah, it's that first audience still. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, my own yeah. personal opening is Saturday. Of course, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like just having that first audience there. Mm-hmm. I think once that's out, we'll see. There, yeah. Things are changing, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you are you on the social media? Are you on Twitter? Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your What's your Twitter handle? At K Jeff Ho. Cool. Yeah. 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 Do you have a, a website or no? No. Okay. No website. Cool. It's something that people tell me is a good idea. Yeah. So I think one day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for this. Thank it's been you, amazing. Phil. It-